Welcome everyone to Strictly Jojo, a podcast dedicated to Jojo's bizarre adventure. My name is Courtney. This is episode 62 and we're reviewing part six, Stone Ocean, Birth of the Green. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode and anything that's happened in the Jojo anime. So this episode with Birth of the Green, um, I think it's like, the title is... uh, misleading misleading but it has like a double meaning to it yeah because it does have the quotations around the green cause yeah because i was two thinking, green entities i was thinking at first like the the green child doesn't even get birthed technically it's still like in the womb quote unquote um throughout this entire episode and it's only like a small part of the episode but then you also have like the greenery that's sprouting from the the bodies from the prisoners which i think is tied to the bone itself and the virus that it's emitting oh i was also thinking that it could be describing the new enemy stand that we see at the end oh yeah <laughs> Yoyoma? Kind of, yeah he just kind of appears out of nowhere so you could say that yeah, he was birthed in this episode. <laughs> so there are a lot of green references. So I guess if you uh, if you look at it that way, it is a pro- it is an appropriate title because when I first read it, I was like, yeah, I don't know if this title really fits. And we've had that a couple times in past JoJo parts where there's a title that is a little misleading as to what actually happens in the episode or only references a very tiny part of the episode. But let's pause here before we get into more of today's episode that we're gonna talk all about um a few housekeeping items a few updates both jojo related and podcast related so to start off i wanted to share that i was recently a guest on shonen flop where i joined david and jordan to talk all about the canceled shonen jump manga hi-fi cluster Uh, so if you're not familiar with shonen flop they review Uh, canceled shonen jump manga figuring out like what went wrong was it really bad did it have some potential what they could have done to maybe make it last a little bit longer and so we did exactly that with hi-fi cluster and thank you to you for being in the background the whole time manning the uh the audio portions that i could focus all of my attention on the discussion that was at hand yeah, it was like I was your audio stand, <laughs> just, <Yeah. laughs> just lingering nearby, just making sure that your audio was... You were uh, my moody blues. Yeah, there you go. Just making sure that your audio was on fleek. On fleek? <laughs> I, was, I was trying to think of a word, but that was the first word that came to mind. I know no one says that, but yeah, I was your moody mu- blues. Moody blues <laughs> for that session. And if uh, you're not familiar, again, with Shonen Flop, definitely check them out because they are big JoJo fans. Um, We've talked a a bit offline, I guess, like off of recording about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and they love that we have a podcast dedicated to JoJo. So definitely recommend checking out that episode. Um, Again, it should be out by now. It's the episode that I'm featured on, which is all about Hi-Fi Cluster. And I think Shonen Flop even covered one of Araki's um, not so successful manga uh, over the summer. Um, I think it was called Bao. So if if you're an avid, not just JoJo fan, but Araki fan, check out their episode on that. But of course, check out the one with Courtney on Hi-Fi Cluster. And on to JoJo news for this week. 
feel like there's been a trend in the news that we bring up on this podcast that's related to JoJo because this one is also related to a, a new fashion collaboration uh, for Stone Ocean or between Stone Ocean and what is called Pameo Pose, which I believe is like a Japanese online fashion store. And so I have an article here from rehow.net. Uh, I'm not familiar with them, but this article just shows imagery of, I think it's like 40 pieces of fashion or jewelry. Jewelry. Why can't I pronounce things this episode? Fashion and jewelry that is inspired by the Stone Ocean anime. Um, It says it's available for pre-order on Premium Bandai, which I believe is one of Namco Bandai's uh, websites or online stores um, and a lot of what they like a lot of the items that they share are, are very what would you say like out there in terms of fashion um, but also very clever um, I'm looking at like a handbag uh, with Jolene's like it's her belt buckle that just says Joe um, but it's kind of used as a, a clasp for this handbag I'm looking at the skirt that's patterned off of Jolene's pants. I love it. I love it. I would totally wear this. It's like the same like rectangle pattern that's on her pants, but just made into a mid-skirt, mid-length skirt, and it's mm-hmm. fucking awesome. Oh, and they, they do have Jolene's belt as well. If you want it in, in proper belt form, uh, what else do they have? Also, can we acknowledge the way they write Jolene Cujo in this article? What is Rehow.net? And do they know? <laughs> it's Japan <laughs> News. Do they know how to spell Jolene Cujo? Yeah. Um, because they write it in the entire article as Jolene being J-O-R-I-N, which is the yeah. literal translation of the katakana or, or hiragana, whichever it is, for Jolene. Um, but then they also put Kujo spelled like Joltero, K-U-J-O, which some fans do do that. Sometimes they'll put Joltero's actual last name for Jolene, but most of the time you see it as her version of the last name, C-U-J-O-H, um, which we all know she did purposefully when she was mad at Joltero for being a quote unquote absent father. But this is like just the wildest thing. I'm reading this this paragraph and I'm like, who's Jorin? And then I realized, oh, it's Jorin Kujo is what they're trying to write. Yeah, I feel like this article is a direct translation of probably some press release about this new product line of of JoJo inspired merch. So, you know, it's straight, like it also, well, in some paragraphs it switches to Jolin, which is Jolene without the E at the end. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not sure who is, who is proofreading this article. And obviously we'll, we'll share this in the discord for anyone who wants to peruse the products. Um, I also have the Instagram page for Pameo Pose, which has the, the same products, um, as image posts. So you can browse their collection. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very, what would, what would be the word? I was going to say outlandish but eccentric, eccentric. yeah, but very eccentric fashion. Honestly, I would wear a lot of this. <laughs> I would definitely wear a lot of this. And I'm looking at their actual website and they do have a service that allows their products to be shipped 
almost worldwide. It's like a hundred plus countries. So oh, perfect. I don't know. I might buy some of these. Depending on how much they are, I might buy some of them. I mean, I, I'm not a very fashion forward person, so I don't think I would <laughs> purchase any of these. They are cool looking items. I especially like the, uh, what is it? The earrings that look like Hermes's stickers for Kiss. Um, it's one of those things that are, you know, like very subtle, but also are great to show off that you are of, you are a weeb of culture. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was going to say, it's unfortunate that they're, these things aren't available stateside. Of course, these will be available readily in Japan for JoJo fans. Uh, but, you know, I think stateside, I did see Box Lunch has this new, like, college sweater with uh, Bucerati's name printed on front uh, that I thought was pretty clever. Uh, so maybe I'll get that as consolation since we can't get this Pameo Pose collaboration uh, here in the States. But, yeah, it seems like a lot of companies want to ride the Stone Ocean wave no pun intended, by by doing these excellent fashion collabs. Okay, I'm looking at the website, and I don't know if I would buy these just because the price points are pretty damn high. Um, the Jolene skirt that I was talking about is um, using like a rough, rough, uh, what do you call it? Um, exchange. Yeah, exchange rate. Um, it's like $176. Also, it's already sold out, apparently. Wow. <laughs> it's like one of the only items sold out. And of course, it's the one that I, I would have wanted. Plus, I'm sure shipping to the, to the United States is going to be astronomical. So in my dreams, I'll, I'll own some of these pieces. Well, like I said, we will share links to both the strangely worded press release as well as the Instagram profile for this JoJo Stone Ocean and Pamio Pose collab. Let's jump into Birth of the Green. Um, we talked very briefly already about our initial thoughts on at least the title of this episode and if it actually coordinates with what's going on, which I think we can say it does to a large degree. Uh, but what were your overall thoughts on this episode, especially off of the, um, the the wild ride of confusion that was the two-episode arc for Kenzo and Dragon's Dream. I guess first, I was just glad to be out of that arc. <laughs> but second, and get ready for it, because this is a word I use often in JoJo, I think this was a pretty transitional episode, um, one that was probably needed to just come off of the confusion of the Dragon's Dream arc. Uh, but even with its transitional elements, it's an episode that literally plants the seeds for the, I would say, unique return of one of, if not the biggest baddie in JoJo. I remember watching this episode back when the, the, the entire second core came out, and when it got to the part where we see, I guess, like the 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 fruit sapling or whatever that contained the green baby and i saw the joe star birthmark on the back i was like oh shit he's coming back even though it's it's clearly not not dio in in the little sack or whatever um and this is a i guess a kind of a fun fact um just doing a little bit of research about dio's bone uh, i was reading that it resembles 
the metatarsal bone, which is one of the bones within the foot behind the big toe. So maybe that's why it was moving around so much. <laughs> it was literally walking around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although it's not, it also isn't technically Dio's bone, right? Because it would be Jonathan's body that Dio took to become who he was in part three. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, maybe that, that just means that Jonathan's body fused with Dio's bad blood <laughs> over mm. time to the point where that bone obviously has some bad bad auras around it. What sort of things did you take away from this episode? Because, yeah, I, I just felt like this was a, like a precursor to what is going to be a Yo-Yo Ma-focused episode in the next one, episode 20. I completely agree with you. I think this is a, a true transitional episode because it is immediately after Kenzo is defeated, um, which we see as they're walking up the stairs back from the electrocution room. Um, it leads us into the introduction of the green child, um, but we very quickly get past the the entire concern around the plants and, and that virus. So it's like we... Like that, that wasn't even really a full on threat. It was just kind of mm -hmm. like a placeholder threat for that episode. And then it takes us right into the introduction of Yo-Yo Ma, even though we don't realize it at, at that time, like what the stand's all about and whose stand it is. But it, it's the starting point for, like you said, the next episode. So yeah, it's transitioning us very much so from the end of Kenzo to the beginning of Yo-Yo Ma. But with that said, I do feel like this episode is really goofy it's not like hilarious necessarily it's just really goofy there are so many weird moments that happen it's in this bizarre. episode yeah right. there you go <laughs> like it's specifically around anasui and we'll get into more detail about that but i just feel like there's so many goofy like weird nonsensical things that happen in this episode that it's uh it makes it a nice reprieve from the intensity that we got during the Kenzo Dragon stream arc. Yeah, it's always funny how JoJo can go from a very, quote-unquote, serious or, or dramatic fight or event to just going back to its really, again, eccentric, outlandish roots by putting in these elements and reminding us that we are watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure but with all that said, JoJo fans, make sure you stay in the green as we dive into our synopsis and discussion for Part 6, Episode 19, Birth of the Green. With Daddy Jotaro feeling no better after his comatose yoga session and finding little reason to continue to susume, the current troublesome trio of the prison posse descend on the Shigechi variant holding Dio's boner in the hopes of using it to poke some life into Jotaro's broken body. However, the remaining inmates from Ultra Security Weenie Hut Juniors literally make like a tree and leaf behind their forested frames, with Jolene additionally getting infected with a green thumb and face. Turns out Dio's boner has also turned a new leaf by transforming into a green bean baby, and thus Jolene takes up babysitting duties to keep it safe from belligerent baptism by White Snake. On their way out of Ultra Security Weenie Hut Juniors, 
Hisoka Sui seeks out survivor stand user, Gucho, and turns his body into a trap to make sure his own group is Gucci without having anyone else tail them. The Roman soldier cosplayer, identified as the remaining enemy stand user, walks right into that trap, but sends its ghoulish green stand, Yo-Yo Ma, to swallow the bean baby. As Foo Fighter stays behind to get rid of the soldier cosplayer, Jolene and Hisoka Sui board their banged-up boat while bearing the burden of both the Bean Baby and the Bayou Boogeyman, a daunting task that is sure to make some jaws drop, or perhaps dissolve. And now onto our next segment of the show, is that a music and or fashion reference where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music and or fashion. So we have three in this episode. Uh, let's start off with... Gucho, who is the stand user of Survivor, his name is a reference to Gucho Gucci. So it is a first name Gucho. Um, it's not just a localized name, but yeah, and you can hear that too in the Japanese uh, voice actors saying Gucho. But I had mm-hmm. no idea that Gucho was Gucci's first name. Yeah. So I was like, is this just an intentional variant to Gucci? But I was like, why would Araki ever do that? But that explains it. Yeah, so it's Guccio Gucci, who was an Italian businessman and fashion designer best known as the founder of the fashion house Gucci, whose product lines include handbags, ready-to-wear footwear, accessories, and home decoration. Uh, Fun fact, this man's full name is Guccio Giovanni Battista Giacinto Dario Maria Gucci. Wow. So it's, <laughs> That's a it's long much one. easier just to say Gucci Gucci. It's GG. Um, second reference, again, this is a fashion reference as well, is to the stand user DNG, who controls Yo Yo Ma. His name is in reference to Dolce and Gabbana, an Italian luxury fashion house founded by Italian designers Domenico Dolce and Stefano Gabbana. The house specializes in ready-to-wear, handbags, accessories, and cosmetics. And the last reference that we have in this episode is a music reference with the ugly-ass stand Yo-Yo Ma, or localized as Yaya Ma. Uh, they should have just made it Yaya Mo. <laughs> or Yo Mama. <laughs> Yo Mama. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, this is an aside, but um, Arthur, the PBS Kids show Arthur, uh, featured Yo-Yo Ma, um, who I'm about to talk about, but his sister, his little sister, DW, mispronounced his name as Yo Mama. <laughs> I just thought that was the funniest thing hearing it when I was younger, like Yo Mama jokes, whatever. But again, Yo-Yo Ma in this show is in reference to Yo-Yo Ma, a world-renowned Chinese-American cellist probably most well-known for his rendition of Cello Suite Number no. 1 in G Major by Johann Sebastian Bach. couple fun facts. Yo-Yo Ma's primary performance instrument is a 1733 Montagnana cello, which is valued at $2.5 million. Hot damn. Imagine carrying an instrument and trying to play it and knowing that if you break this... I mean, I'm sure he you has insurance. You break it, you buy it. I'm sure there's like insurance for the instrument, but just holding something like that of immense value, I don't know if you feel a lot of pressure from that. Another fun fact is that Yo-Yo Ma in this part is voiced by Kape Yamaguchi, who voiced Shigechi 
in part four. Okay, I was going to say their voices sound very familiar. Yeah. Or like similar. <laughs> and I don't know where I saw it. It might have been on Reddit, but somebody said something like, is Yoyoma just the reincarnated stand of Shigechi? Kind of like how people suspect that Star Platinum is kind of like the reincarnated stand of Jonathan Joestar. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they're very similar in appearance. Although I don't see what the relation would be between Shigechi and DNG. Um, it's it's just funny because I've I think I've mentioned sometimes that you have the Shigechi variant uh, in this security unit who who looks like a discounted Shigechi, and then I find out this fact. And it's like, oh, there are a lot of Shigechi references, I guess, in part six. And now it's time for the JoJo meme rundown, where we list each new JoJo meme that appeared in this episode. No new memes in this episode that I'm aware of. However, I do want to call out the return of an iconic part three meme in this episode, which is, of course, the dedo, 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 dedo. When the Shigechi <laughs> variant grows, essentially, and turns his face to reveal that he is becoming a plant, his tongue wiggles around and literally goes, dedo, 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 the same way that Kakyoin's, the fake Kakyoin did back in part three. So um, at least we have that. If we have no new memes, at least we have the return of a very iconic old meme. And that just reinforces the connection that this part has with part three. Just like beyond uh, Jotaro and Jolene's relationship. But I just I just love that callback because I wasn't expecting it at all. And as always, if we've missed any memes from this episode, please reach out and let us know. So getting into the meat of everything that's going on here, um, the most important, at least in my opinion, the most important part of this episode is the very beginning where we get a, a quick, like, I was, I'm just going to say flashback, but a quick look at where Jotaro currently is, which is on the heels of the quick peek that we got in the end of the last episode. So we see him at the Speedwagon facility. Um, we learn that he's in a sleep state, but periodically wakes up for a few hours, um, that his mental capacity is that of like a very young child because he is only learning like 30 words a day, but he's still not even remembering his own family and basically doesn't have any reason to live. So he's dying off, which is kind of what Pucci had been saying for a while, that without both the stand and memory disc, especially the memory disc, that an individual still just sort of rots away. Yeah, it's an unfortunate state to see Jotaro in because we've always seen him as this really strong character. Um, but I think right now, or you'll probably explain later, that he at least has Star Platinum because of the stand disc that was returned by Jolene to the Speedwagon Foundation. I would just hope that we would have heard him speak a little bit just so we could hear Daisuke Ono's voice in the second core. I mean, we do in a flashback that Jolene has, but like no new lines, really. The weird thing is I, I don't remember some of these parts in the manga, so I can't confirm whether some of these things are even in the manga. I do recall a moment in the manga where they showed Jotaro sitting up cross-legged with like all the wires hooked up to him. Um, but I don't recall the stuff that happens with like Jolene's name being carved into Jotaro and Jolene's arms and Jolene saying some of the stuff about like 
her recognizing what Jotaro had to sacrifice and all of the responsibility he took on with protecting not only her and her mother, but protecting a lot as well. So yeah, I just like, I can't remember if it was in the manga or not. Um, I feel like it's a pretty significant part. So if I am just not remembering that it was there, but it was there, then shame on me. Um, but maybe it's a new part for the anime. I'm not really sure. Um, I'm looking at the Jojo wiki. It doesn't state any differences for this scene from the manga okay so then maybe i just read through this so fucking fast that i couldn't even remember a critical scene like this um but regardless it's so sweet like i just after everything that jolene has been through in the second core so far it's just so nice to have this quick moment um where we're just reminded and she's just reminded why she's doing all of this although i don't think she ever really forgot um, the cut on Jotaro's arm that he gets when Star Platinum like defends him or goes into defensive mode um, and breaks the glass like that was weird. I don't know how that happens. Um, but what's weirder is that Jolene suddenly has the exact same cut on her arm. Don't know how that happens. Yeah, I was gonna say, how, where did that come from? I mean, it's it's an, a nice gesture, but that's something we haven't seen. I mean, I've seen it in Harry Potter in a way, but but not in JoJo. Yeah, it's kind of a stretch, honestly. Like, I I can't think of any logical way that would happen. Um, so I mean, I'll take it because it's still a really sweet moment. But it's like a stretch for me to suspend my disbelief on that one. But even without Jotaro's memory, I think it shows that deep down inside, he's still worried about his daughter. So even though they're saying like he doesn't even remember his family, he has no reason to live, there's still a part of him that is so deeply connected to Jolene and cares about her and probably so worried about her. And I think that's why she doesn't want Foo Fighters to get rid of the cut or to heal it because she she takes it as like a sign or a message from Jotaro. And I think like as a reminder of like all this, like despite all the shit that sh- she has to go through and the, the injuries that she has to sustain, it's all for someone that she realizes really cares about her. And so she is there to return the favor. Um, and I know we mentioned callbacks to part three. I especially love the music that plays in this part because it is a song that is taken directly out of part three. I think it's called Tabidachi. It's a very reminiscent song Uh, i think i play it at it's most prominent i believe at the end of part three um, as the crusaders go their separate ways Um, but in this case it's just a a great musical piece to help reflect on what the prison posse is fighting for yeah and again like i just love that jolene immediately understands what this message is and she even says um, that Jotaro had so much to protect even before she was born, but recognizes that she he has even more to protect with her and her mom being in his life. Um, so it's it shows that Jolene understands at this point why Jotaro had to be a quote-unquote absent father because it, stand users attract other stand users, right? Like it was inevitable that the enemy was going to come after his family, especially given how notorious the Joe stars are among enemy stand users. He did what he had to do and she understands that. Now she's doing what she has to do to return all of that to her father. What the fuck were those speed wagon employees wearing though? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it, 
made it seem like they were in cyberpunk 2077 (laughs) you don't need to like yeah i'm sure you're like researchers but you can just wear regular clothes (laughs) you know what i could see being as a meme and it probably already is a meme and maybe i just haven't come across it yet instead of jolene or jotaro getting a cut that says jolene what if instead it said baby stand like kakyoin from part three (laughs) (laughs) there is a baby in this episode yeah (laughs) so it would fit i know it would be a warning to jolene like that baby is a stand user baby stand (laughs) (laughs) one more thing before we move on Uh, i remember watching this scene the first time around and you know one of the employees looks at the computer screen on to see like Jotaro's health stats. And I remember seeing one of the prompts said Blaine, which I'm assuming like they meant to spell brain. And I, we paused it at that moment because I was like, wait, let's go back. I want to see something. And then I, I think sh- that was in the first core when Jotaro was like in that iron lung. Oh, was it? I think so. It was either that or maybe like the promo, the trailer, but there was no trailer for, for the second core. So I feel like it was like either the trailer for the first core or the episode in the first core because the same thing like they showed a, I think they showed a monitor I think that's where you saw it said Blaine instead of Brain. Okay, maybe maybe I'm just gaslighting myself, but I guess yeah they they fixed it to Brain, um, so it no longer has the L. Uh, so I was thinking like oh they went back to to change something kind of like what they did with Emporio's baseball cap and and uniform, um, but I mean. This would have been just a a minor change. But again, I could have been gaslighting myself. So as I mentioned earlier, a lot of goofiness ensues in this episode, and most of it is centered around Anasui. And I know probably at this point for people who are newer to Anasui, who are anime only, um, they're probably like, this guy is fucking weird. But I adore how in love Anasui is with Jolene. Like he wants her attention so bad that he even asks Foo Fighters to trip her down the stairs so that he can catch her. So I think there's like a, a fine line here where Anasui is not forcing Jolene to do anything. He might be forcing Foo Fighters to help him, right? But he's not forcing Jolene to do anything. He's trying his hardest to win her over so that he can eventually marry her. So he's putting the work in, right? Like, at least he's doing that. He's putting the work in. He's protecting her with, like, every fiber of his being. And he's actually being a pretty useful individual in this group. But you can't deny that he's acting really wild because love makes you do strange things. (laughs) I guess I was kind of, I was kind of happy that, like Foo Fighters does attempt to trip Jolene, but Jolene uses um, Stone Freeze threads, almost like Spider-Man, to latch onto the Shigechi variant. So she didn't even notice what was going on. And, yeah, <laughs> like she didn't need. Um, Anas- I was about to say Hisoka. <laughs> he didn't. She didn't need Anasui to save her because she's capable on her own. And I think I just need to warm up to Anasui more. So I was kind of like, yeah, you go, Jolene. You don't need this man saving you in his arms. So Jolene finds the discount Shigechi. They chase after the bone. And when she steps into the sunlight, that's when she starts to sprout her own green. (laughs) Hence the name of the episode. Um, So then Anasui freaks out, says, hey, don't go into the sunlight. Step backwards. 
Um, and she looks fine when she returns to the shadows. So he goes over to check on her, right? Like checking her face because that's where some of the stuff started sprouting from her. But then he goes and he sniffs her mouth. And that, of course, freaks her the fuck out. But he doesn't even react to her reaction to him sniffing her mouth. He instead stops and sort of analyzes what's going on and then shares with the, the group, hey, your threads touch that bone and now you're infected with this sort of plant virus, just like how the Shigechi variant or discount Shigechi was holding onto the bone. And then he got infected when he hit the sunlight with these plants as well. So again, here's Anasui figuring this shit out very, very quickly, which is timely because if they hadn't figured it out sooner, Jolene would have submerged herself in full sunlight and then become a fucking tree. I guess one question I had after watching all of this is like, obviously the sun, sun sets later on, so... They don't have to worry about Jolene stepping into the sunlight. But does she still have this infection? Or does it go away once the green baby is born? Um, I don't know. Because when, yeah, when they leave the facility, she's like, oh, I think it just sort of stopped. And that's kind of mm-hmm. like, okay. <laughs> like maybe it's because the baby is being developed now and she like removed it from the roots i guess but maybe the the plants were only an active thing really when it was a bone i don't know because then like the baby's still in the sunlight when she goes to grab it and she's got like plants sprouting out of her face so i don't Mm -hmm. really know i don't know like what changed yeah because i i thought of it more as a like a viral infection although the only way you can get infected is if you actually touch the bone but, Which she did through her stand. Yeah, maybe it's because I get like the baby had grown to its fullest state once it was in that fruit. I forgot what they call it in the episode. Like the it's like a womb of seedling. Some sort. Yeah, um, that because it had stopped growing at that point, then the, the infection kind of kind of wore off, even though it was still active with the sunlight uh, from the sunset that was still going. Uh, but who knows? <laughs> maybe, maybe like Jolene still has it. Um, although in subsequent episodes, you never see her sprouting like flowers on her face. So honestly, he continues to make an ass of himself because then um, when he goes to help Jolene, she says, Hey, you should probably not come near me or touch me because that virus may spread to you as well. And he shows that he's fearless so long as he gets to be with Jolene because he stays there. And then he goes so far as to lick one of the flowers on her face and confirms through taste that the flowers are real, that there's no like blood or anything inside of them. It's just the actual plants themselves. Um, And then promises Jolene that he'll get rid of that situation that virus no matter what ultimately i don't think he actually gets rid of it i think it just goes away on its own but he does help her so that's fine um so it's just like to me anasui is so smart and useful but also so goofy when it comes to jolene and wanting to be with her that he is just the weirdest blend of a person because he acts like he's got it all together he's always confident he's always cool or level-headed in a lot of these situations he's able to analyze things very quickly and be the one to come up with the answers to what's going on since he's joined the group but as soon as he has the chance to get close to jolene he just becomes a dumbass (laughs) like it's just so funny 
Yeah, it's like he he again he has the the smarts, but he doesn't have the the sort of social cues, which makes me think like he's he's very similar to like Weather Report in that sense. Although I think Weather Report's just a little more timid. Yeah, he like doesn't have a personality because he doesn't remember anything. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think honestly, he's just more forward. He just doesn't realize like he needs to step back a bit. And at the halfway point of this episode, we have the stand stats. I catch, of course. Uh, for this one, we have Yo-Yo Ma, which is kind of weird because I don't think we don't see him yet at this point in the episode, and it already reveals his name. But anyways, Yo-Yo Ma, we have destructive power at C, speed at D, range at A, durability at A, Precision and accuracy at D, and development potential at C. All this really tells me is that this stand is going to be annoying as fuck, <laughs> which we, we see in the next episode. Looking at the subs on this screenshot, I thought at first it said the stand master was Dang. Yeah, Dang. D A N G, but it's <laughs> D space A N apostrophe space G mm-hmm. because the actual reading for the Japanese D N G, the katakana there, is D. On G, so A N G. So technically, it's a direct translation, but seeing it in English, I'm like, it looks like the word dang. <laughs> and then you have a localized Yayama <laughs> that's right above that stand master name. So then the next part after the eye catch is really just Jolene showing us that she's willing to risk anything, including turning into a plant, to get a hold of the green child, not only to fuck over Poochie's plans, but to help figure out like how she can do what she needs to do to get Jotaro's memory disc back. So, um, again, she's putting everything on the line to progress toward her goal of stopping Poochie and saving her father. But then when she finally does grab the child and they're heading back um, to safety, the group comes across Guccio. And I think this scene is meant to mislead the viewer while it's a short turnaround because you get the truth pretty quickly i think initially it's meant to place some doubt in the viewer because anasui kind of at first seems like a messed up guy for disfiguring a a dude who's like begging for help and using diver down on this guy but it's because anasui knows he's an enemy stand user well i think it was also obvious because all across this guy's outfit it says the word survivor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they don't know what survivor is. True. Oh, yeah, that's true. They don't know, like, the name. They don't even know of its existence. Okay, yeah. you can't see it necessarily. It so, just kind of okay. activates. So it's just us at the as the viewers that have the knowledge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it kind of ruins the uh, the mystery there. But Anasui knows what's going on. And at first I wondered to myself, I'm like, why wouldn't Anasui tell Jolene and Foo Fighters that this is the enemy stand user that was causing the fights to break out because like he's been very open about every other threat that they've come across. But then I realized it's because he also knows of Dolce & Gabbana being in the room. He knows there's one more stand user present mm. and that's why he uses Guccio's body as a human trap to inflict damage on Dolce & Gabbana. So he used Diver Down to mess with Gucho's insides, right? Right. And again, like the intent was to get at the 
last remaining um, enemy stand user. I don't know if he knew for sure how many there were in the room, but I think he knew someone was watching them. So if you were to say out loud to Jolene and Foo Fighters, hey, this guy is one of the enemy stand users, then that trap no longer works because now Dolce & Gabbana knows something's, something's up or that they're alerted. What I don't get, though, is how he was able to sort of command Gucho to walk away so calmly as if he had brainwashed him in a way to to leave them alone unless does maybe this kind of feeds into what happens in the next episode uh with Anasui taking down spoiler alert <laughs> taking down uh Yoyo Ma but was Anasui able to somehow manipulate like um Gucho's nervous system in a way probably I don't know the extent of like what Diver Down can and can't break down and reconstruct. Um, I don't know if it could go as far as like basically rewriting someone's entire brain or their their internal wiring and, and their personality or thought process. I think that's more of like a like Rohan's Heaven's Door type of thing. Um, but I don't. I think it's more of like the physical structures of an individual is what Diver Down's able to manipulate. So I don't quite know the answer to that. Iraqi forgot? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Um, But then at the end of the episode, we have the introduction of what I believe to be one of the most annoying enemy stands of part six, which is Yo-Yo Ma. And then I I thought for for a second, I'm like, is Yo-Yo Ma a sentient stand. And I think the next episode will help us answer this a little bit better. But based off of what we know with the second core, I would say even though Yo-Yo Ma is a remotely controlled stand, I still think it is a sentient stand. I don't think Dolce and Gabbana is standing there like actually speaking to um, Anasui and Jolene through Yo-Yo Ma, because if you think about it in the next episode, I know I'm jumping ahead, but in the next episode when uh, Dolce & Gabbana is sitting in the ambulance and Foo Fighters is about to attack him, you don't hear him talking. Like when Poochie is talking through White Snake, I think Poochie is like also kind of talking maybe, mm-hmm. but it just seems like there's such a detachment between Dolce & Gabbana and Yo-Yo Ma. Um, and so I want to look out in the next episode, does Dolce & Gabbana give us any hints about if Yoyoma is truly a sentient stand? Because there's one thing with being an automatic stand where the stand goes out and does its own thing. But the subtitle said from Foo Fighters uh, translations, um, Foo Fighters basically tells Jolene and Anasui that Yoyoma is a remotely controlled stand. So there's like a difference, right? Because we've seen automatic stands that just go out and do their shit separate from the stand user. And then remotely controlled stands where it's it's you still need some influence from the stand user. Well, I can tell you that the JoJo Wiki lists the types for Yo-Yo Ma as both an automatic stand and a sentient stand. Okay, cool. So then there you go. <laughs> yeah. So automatic makes sense because you know Foo Fighters shoots Yo-Yo Ma in the head, but that still leaves uh, DNG intact. Because I think that's one of the yeah, traits. Yeah, you're right. Shit, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, that's one of the traits for automatic stands. It says here it leaves the user unscathed whenever the stand is harmed. Okay. I can't believe that went over my head. I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm like, why does Foo Fighters keep shooting Yo-Yo Ma? I mean, I get it. Like, he's trying to get rid of him, but also, like, trying to kill the enemy stand user. I don't know why I didn't think of that. 
Thank you for I mean, pointing I, that out. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> what I was thinking in my head. I was going to bring that up. Um, but again, JoJo Wiki coming in clutch here to explain why DNG is still alive after Foo Fighters shoots his stand in the head. And that concludes the episode. And we'll get more about Yo-Yo Ma with the next episode. But one thing I do want to say, because we're talking a lot about the JoJo Wiki and like needing to confirm information, I feel like... I'm wondering if it's almost like with other parts, we've seen them enough and enough time has passed where we've learned enough about this, the specific stands where we feel less like we have to rely on the JoJo Wiki or do as much research because we just kind of know how these stands operate versus part six where we're just getting this information now. And so we're we're all together as a community trying to figure out what's going on with these stands or is it that the part six stands are just extremely convoluted compared to previous parts? I mean, look at Dragon's Dream, right? I mean, that, okay, that one aside, that one's like ex, that one's like extra convoluted. Mm-hmm. But like all other stands, especially like Yo-Yo Ma, where we're kind of wondering these things. I feel like we, with other parts and other stands, have not spent this much time and effort to try and wrap our heads around what the stands are doing. So again, I don't know if it's just... Part six is so brand new to us that we're still, as a community, learning about these things. Or again, if Iraqi just made part six dance very complicated. I mean, to be honest, I I rely heavily on JoJo Wiki when it comes to our um, episode reviews. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like I've we've been relying on it more heavily with part six. But I think it's also because you know stands that we've seen from parts three to five have been a little bit more straightforward in how they operate. Um, so we don't always need that clarification or like the the theorizing of like why they work certain ways. But part six, it feels like Araki was really challenging himself to come up with these really unique stands that need that make us need to take a step back and really think about what's going on. But that's all we've got going on for this episode. So that brings us to our final thoughts for part six, episode 19, Birth of the Green. So did this episode sprout a new sense of life in you? Um, No, but it, it was still a really interesting episode. Again, despite it being a transitional episode, it offered a lot of really memorable and goofy moments. Again, very much centered around Anasui that I just appreciated. I they were small, but they they hit well for me. Um, I think that this is gonna set up for a really unique stand. Actually, two unique stands in Yo Yo Ma and the Green Child. I can't remember if it had like an official stand. I think name. it was just called. The green baby, but okay. Oh, it does have a stand. I was gonna say, does yeah. It have I a don't stand? remember like anything about the baby, mm-hmm. like what what it's called, what the stand's called. Um, so yeah, it's just it, it's like a weird place, right? Because things happened in this episode that needed to happen to set us up for something bigger, but it could still stand on its own because of just some of the other things that were taking place that weren't necessarily directly tied to the main goal at hand. Um, and hey. We got a status update on Jotaro. That that's amazing. And on top of that, we got a very central moment between Jotaro and Jolene. So that alone made this episode really special for me. But um I think in the grand scheme of things, it's not gonna be like one of the top episodes from 
this part or from the second core. But what about you? Yeah, like I said at the beginning, it's this is more of like that breather you need in between certain arcs uh, in JoJo where it's, it's not a very high stakes episode despite you know all the, the shit happening with the prisoners turning into trees um but it has its moments where it, it kind of introduces a new macguffin in stone ocean with you know deal's boner <laughs> involved evolving now into the green baby um and yeah it it had a, a great moment at the beginning where we like you said see what's going on with jotaro and i guess it's kind of unique that he's not just lying in a comatose state but you know like meditating kind of showing that you know he's he's still doing what he can to to remain human but we know like it's up to jolene to to get him back to the full 100 percent uh but yeah it was just a touching moment to see again who the prison posse and especially jolene is fighting for in in this part um but overall those moments aside especially anasui doing whatever the fuck he's doing most of this episode seems that it's serving as a a pre-game to yo-yo ma's shenanigans to try and throw off stone ocean's two lovebirds as they try to figure out how to get this baby away from poochie's grasp uh and, and man just what a goofy ass stand Yo-Yo Ma is going to turn out to be. I, I thought like Dragon's Dream was annoying, but Yo-Yo Ma is annoying on a much different level. So I'm excited to to see that uh, come into play in episode 20. And look forward to that. We'll have to talk all about what the fuck is going on with Yo-Yo Ma in next week's episode. And thank you everybody for tuning into this week every single week that you do tune into and hopefully we'll see you in the next episode subscribe to strictly jojo on your favorite podcast service join our discord to chat with us follow us on instagram at the strictly series on twitter at strictly series and check out our website thestrictlyseries.com if you'd like to support the show then head over to patreon.com slash the strictly series and tune into strictly anime our other podcast for anime reviews and discussions all links are in the description thank you so much for listening and as always stay safe Stay healthy, stay weeb. To be continued.